over these five Sundays of Advent leading up to and through Christmas Day, we've been exploring the Christmas story through the eyes of some of the key people involved in that very first Christmas. In a series that I have entitled Portraits of Christmas, we began with Mary, a portrait of humility. And then we studied Joseph, a portrait of obedience. Last Sunday, we took a closer look at angels, a portrait of wonder. If you missed any of those lessons, I encourage you to listen online on our website or Facebook page, or you can order a copy of the CD at the bottom of your communication card this morning. Portraits of Christmas. Today's fourth lesson focuses on shepherds, a portrait of joy. I believe that one of the most outstanding qualities of the shepherds is their joy. Shepherds, a portrait of joy. Let's begin today's lesson by looking at the Scripture together. And let's begin by reading the one and only passage in the Bible where shepherds are mentioned in the first Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Now, of course, Luke 2, 1 through 7 describes the actual birth of Jesus. And then verse 8 picks up the story on that very same Christmas night. Follow along in your Bible as I read. Luke 2, verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now I want you to take note of verse 8 once again. And there were scribes living in the temple, keeping watch over their scrolls at night. Is, 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 is that what it says? No, no. There was Herod living in his palace, keeping watch over his kingdom at night. Is that what it says? No, there was Caesar living in Rome, keeping watch over his empire at night. Is that what it says? No, no. Read it out loud with me. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Yeah. Now why shepherds? I mean, of all the people to whom God could have chosen to announce the birth of His Son, why would He choose shepherds? Now some have suggested it was because Jesus would be a shepherd. 
In the line of so many other great shepherds in Israel's history, people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs, or Moses, Israel's deliverer, or David, Israel's greatest king. I mean, after all, Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 40, verse 11, that the Messiah would, in fact, shepherd his people. And during Jesus' ministry, Jesus himself called himself the good shepherd. John 20, verse 11. Is this why God chose the shepherds? Perhaps. But I think there's a much simpler explanation. In order for us to understand why God chose the shepherds, I think we need to consider what it was actually like to be a shepherd at the time that Jesus was born. (laughs) These shepherds were certainly much different than the cute, clean-cut shepherd boys we see in our nativity sets or our Christmas pageants. These men did not live a comfortable all-American life. They didn't have a trophy wife, two kids, a dog and a cat, a nice house in the suburb with two cars in the garage. No, they didn't have a nine-to-five job where they kissed their wives and kids goodbye in the morning and then came home and had dinner with them and tucked the kids into bed at night. No, they were uneducated, unsophisticated men, rather crude and harsh in their language and actions. They spent day and night and day and night and day and night with the sheep that they tended. There were no showers. (laughs) There were no washing machines, so they didn't look good and they certainly did not smell good. They were nomads, never staying in one place for very long, always moving around to find new grass and fresh water for their flocks. They had the reputation, sometimes deserved, sometimes not, of being thieves. They were considered to be so untrustworthy that they were not permitted to testify in a Jewish court. As a result, they were social outcasts in their culture. Their occupations made it impossible for them to meet the myriad of man-made regulations that had been heaped upon the Mosaic Law. And so, you see, they were considered unclean. Did you know they could not even enter the temple courts? And they could not participate in Jewish worship. So why shepherds? I mean, of all the people to whom God could have chosen to announce the birth of His Son, why would He choose shepherds? I'm convinced that the reason God chose the shepherds is that He wanted to demonstrate that His love does not discriminate on the basis of class or wealth or social standing or even religiosity. God does not show favoritism. He does not give preference to one group over another. His salvation is available to all on the very same basis, faith in Jesus Christ alone. Why shepherds? When we stop to think about it, isn't this actually God's usual way of doing things? When we read the Bible, we note that God has always worked wonders for the forgotten, the despised, the lonely, the outcast. Jesus Himself said in Matthew 9, verses 12 and 13, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. 
For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That's why we see Jesus reaching out, by the way, to tax collectors, prostitutes, the demon-possessed, the Samaritans, and other so-called unclean sinners throughout His ministry. Because that's God's way. And in this, you and I should rejoice. I mean, let's read 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26-29 through 29 out loud together. Would you read this with me? Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things so that no one may boast before Him. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. God chose to announce the birth of His Son to these shepherds because it meant that the focus would be on the message, not on the messengers. And as a result, God, not any man, would get all the glory. Now maybe you, can identify a bit with these shepherds today? Maybe there's times you feel like a bit of a social or religious outcast kind of on the outside looking in. Maybe on the surface things look like they're going well, but deep down inside you at times just feel like you don't quite fit in. Maybe you think that even if God is aware of you, which you doubt, He really doesn't think much of you. If that describes your life, then this story of the shepherds in Luke 2 is good news that can cause great joy for you. While the birth of the Savior is good news for everyone, it is especially good news for those who are overlooked, for those who don't quite fit in, for those who feel like they're looked down upon by those around them. And there were shepherds in the, living out of the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now the rest of today's text, as we read it, can be summed up, I think, with five A words. Let me give them to you. The first A word is the word attentive. Attentive. Again, Luke 2 verse 8 tells us these shepherds were keeping watch. They were busy with the task at hand. You see, shepherds not only worked the third shift, they pulled the first and the second shift as well. This was a 24-7 thing for them. They were always on duty. Keeping watch was their life. And as difficult as shepherding was, the shepherds did their work with attentiveness and with joy. They were attentive. The second A word would be the word odd. A-W-E-D, odd. Luke 2 verse 9 tells us, An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Of course. God's Shekinah glory lights up the sky and causes them to shake in their sandals. That's what happens, you see, whenever we come face to face with God's holiness. We fall apart because of our sinfulness. 
Like the shepherds, we hit the ground on our knees, flat on our faces before God. They were in awe of Him. The third A word is the word accepted. Accepted. I love how the shepherds simply and humbly accepted the message of the good news announced by the angels in Luke 2, verses 10 through 14. After calming them down, the angel proclaims the Savior's birth, even giving the shepherds a sign, details on how and where to find the baby Jesus. And then these shepherds are treated to a heavenly chorus Glory to God in the highest heaven. And in all of that, they humbly accepted what they were told. They accepted this good news. We know that's true because of the next A word, which is the word acted. Acted. Luke 2 verse 15 says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. See, these shepherds didn't just accept and enjoy the good news and go, Oh yeah, that's nice. No! They acted on it. First, they went and saw. They went and saw for themselves. Verse 16 says, They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby. They didn't wait till the next day. <laughs> no, they hurried off. The idea here is, Come on, hurry up, let's go. What are you waiting for? Hmm. They wasted no time in making this good news their very own good news. They went and saw. And second, after they went and saw, they left and shared. They left and shared. Verse 17 tells us when they had seen Him, Jesus, they spread the Word. The truth is that this kind of good news can not be kept to yourself. It must be shared. The shepherds, you see, were the very first evangelists, the first people to tell other people about the Savior, Jesus. They left and shared this good news. Attentive, awed, accepted, acted. The fifth A word is the word adored. They're adored. Look again at verse 20. It says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I think what's cool here is that it tells us the shepherds returned. Did you see that word? They returned. They went back to their same 24-7 responsibilities as shepherds. They returned to life as usual. In other words, they didn't write a book. (laughs) They didn't go on a speaking tour. They didn't start a ministry online that was called a shepherd's story. (laughs) No. They went back to life as usual, and yet you can understand, can't you, that life never was as usual again. I mean, even though we don't know the rest of the story, I mean, nothing else is ever recorded in the Scripture to let us know what these shepherds did after they encountered Jesus. We do know that they were filled with worship and praise as an evidence of their life change. They adored their newfound Savior. Well, that's a look at the Scripture. Now, what lessons can we learn from our study together today? 
shepherds, a portrait of joy. Again, I believe that one of the most outstanding qualities of these shepherds was their joy. Again, in the words of the angel in Luke 2 and verse 10, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Yes, this great joy is for all the people. But, I don't want you to overlook those first three words. I bring you. You. Yes, the good news this great joy was for everyone, but it was for each one. The all, you see, begins with you. And the shepherds knew that. They personally experienced this good news that causes great joy. How do we know that's true? Because they were attentive, they were awed, they accepted, they acted, and they adored. I love that phrase, great joy. Literally, did you know the Greek word here is mega? Mega joy. (laughs) That sounds like something our kids would say today, huh? How do we personally experience this good news that causes great joy? How can this mega joy become a reality in our everyday lives? Well, from today's story of the shepherd, let me just share with you four keys to living with great joy each and every day. Four take-home lessons for experiencing mega joy day in and day out. Number one, we must receive God's joy for us. This is where it starts. We must understand this. It's about receiving God's joy for us. We can be helped greatly in our journey toward joy if we learn to see God not as a taskmaster, but as the God of the universe with a smile on His face. Do you ever picture God that way? Smiling? over you? When I first discovered Zephaniah 3 and verse 17, I had to read it out loud several times because quite honestly it was a rather difficult concept for me to grasp. In fact, I want you to understand this is how God feels about you. This is how God feels about me. Let's read it out loud together. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In His love He will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Isn't that an amazing verse? Can you grasp that? God is delighted in you. God is rejoicing over you with Singing. Yeah, you! (laughs) I mean, whatever else we may learn from the story of the shepherds this morning, let us rejoice in the thought that God chose these uneducated, unclean, unsophisticated, unpopular men to be the recipients of this good news, this great joy. And if God would do that for shepherds, what of us? Do we actually believe that God delights in us? Can we picture God rejoicing with singing over us? What a picture. Friend, if you have little or no joy in your life today, perhaps it could be because you have not understood or you have not personally received God's joy for you. 
This great joy was not reserved for only the shepherds. This great joy is for all the people, and that all includes you and me. When we see God as joyful, we'll be even more drawn to Him. He's not some aloof judge waiting for us to mess up so that He can unleash His fury and wrath against us. No. He has created us to be His delight. He finds great joy in us. He exalts over you in happy song. Now the shepherds were ready. They were more than ready to receive that good news. Are you? The shepherds willingly received this great joy. Will you? See, what I need us to understand right now is so very important. It's not enough just to hear this good news. It's not enough just to read about this great joy. You must receive it. That's what the shepherds did. (laughs) They went with haste. Come on, hurry up, let's go! And they had to discover a face-to-face encounter with Jesus so that this good news, this great joy could be there good news and their great joy. And the same thing is true of us. Now I'm going to do something this morning that I don't always do. Maybe I should do more often. I'm going to pause right here because I don't want to assume that everyone who's here this morning has received this great joy for themselves. I don't want to just make the assumption that everyone here knows Jesus Christ personally as Savior and Lord of his or her life. And so I'm going to pause right now and I'm going to pray. And if you're here today and you have never crossed that line of faith, you've never bowed your knee before Jesus, you've never said, yes, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. I'm going to ask that you pray this prayer with me. And so we have every head bowed, every eye closed, In fact, let's just all say this prayer out loud together. Just repeat after me, would you? God, I confess that I am a sinner. I need the Savior Jesus. I need this great joy in my life. Please forgive me of my sin. Jesus, come into my heart and life. Please forgive me of my sin. Be my Savior and Lord. Fill me with Your great joy. Please delight in me. And sing over me. Thank You, God. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, may you experience the joy only Jesus can give. We'll come back to that in just a minute. So the first key to living with great joy is to receive God's joy for us. 
Secondly, we need to relay the good news to others. If we want to experience this great joy in our everyday lives, then we need to be actively involved in relaying this good news to others. One of the best ways to build joy into your daily life is by talking openly and publicly to others about Jesus. That's exactly what the shepherds did. Again, Luke 2, verses 17 and 18 tells us, when they had seen Him, Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They didn't waste any time in sharing this with others, did they? Luke 15 records just how much rejoicing takes place when the lost are found. In three stories, the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, Jesus repeats this theme of great joy over and over and over again. In the parable of the lost sheep, when the shepherd finally finds the lost lamb, Luke 15 and verse 5 tells us when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And verse 6 continues, then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And then Jesus wraps up this first story in verse seven, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. In the parable of the lost coin, when the woman finally finds her lost drachma, Luke 15 and verse 9 tells us, when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. And Jesus wraps up the second story in verse 10. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then in the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son, when the younger son finally comes to his senses in the pig pen and returns home to his father, we read in Luke 15, verse 20, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. In verses 23 and 24, the father declares, let's have a feast and celebrate, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Celebration time. Come on! And to wrap up this third story, Jesus tells us the father said to the older son, the younger son's brother, We had to, we had to celebrate and be glad. We just had to. Now, here's the point in case you missed it nothing, absolutely nothing, brings more joy to God than a sinner repenting. Nothing, absolutely nothing, causes a greater celebration in heaven than someone who is lost being found. When a person believes the good news, receives Jesus Christ as his or her personal Savior and Lord, the angels throw a party. And don't miss this. Not only is there great joy in heaven, there is great joy on earth, both for the one coming to Christ and for the one sharing Christ. If you want to experience great joy, share Jesus with others. There's no joy on earth quite like the joy of being used by God to help lead someone else to Jesus. I can't describe it for you. Total elation. Which is why I want to encourage you to sign up back there for this upcoming class. (laughs) You knew I'd work that in somehow, right? (laughs) Share Jesus without fear. 
Give up just 12 Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock starting January the 1st and come and join us in learning how we can better share Jesus without fear to those around us. Be a part of this training. Let's learn together how we can lead other people to Jesus Christ more effectively, how we can be a part of God's plan of using us as salt and light, of leading others to the joy of knowing Jesus. And so the second key to living with great joy is to relay the good news to others. Number three, we should resound our praise to God. Resound our praise to God. When we are personally experiencing God's great joy in our lives, we can do nothing less than to turn it back to God in praise. So what the shepherds did that first Christmas night. Verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. If you want to experience joy throughout your daily life, then learn to cultivate an attitude and an atmosphere of praise. Saturate your environment with praise. How do I do that? Well, first of all, you participate fully, mind, body, and spirit, when we come together on Sundays to worship. You don't worship like a bump on a log. You don't worship like a statue. You participate. Let the joy of the Lord overflow from your heart as you worship God. What an experience. What a blessing. What a privilege and honor it is for us to gather together and to worship the Lord with one another. Give it your very best. Every Sunday when you walk in this door, don't come in with the attitude, well, I wonder what I'm going to get out of this today. No, come in with the attitude, I wonder what I can give to God today. How can I give Him my very best? And then I encourage you to play music worship every opportunity you get. Turn off your TV, put a CD in, and listen to some praise and worship. Download some playlists on your smartphone and tablet of worship and praise. Turn your radio on to K-Love or 88.9 Spirit Radio. Uh, Get your car stereo going with worship and praise around you. Just fill the atmosphere around you, your environment, saturated with praise every opportunity you possibly can. And then, I want to encourage you to begin your prayers, every time you pray, with praise. And adoration. That's what Jesus taught us to pray. Do you ever think about that? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be holy. That was praise. He was teaching us that first and foremost, out of our mouths as we address our God, should come praise and worship to Him. Learn how to do that at the beginning of your prayer. Every time you pray, whether it's in the morning at breakfast or at noon at lunch or at dinner time or before you go to bed, whenever you pray, begin your prayer times with praise. Adoration, first and foremost. By the way, I put another insert in your bulletin. Did you see that? 30 days of praying the names and attributes of God. Just to kind of get you priming the pump here a bit. You know, use this. It doesn't have to start on the 1st of January, by the way. The 1st is tomorrow. The 1st day of my You understand that, right? And so, look at it. It says, God is Jehovah. So tomorrow, when you get up in the morning and throughout the day, all day long, at the beginning of your prayer, you focus on the fact that God is Yahweh. He is Jehovah. 
The name of the independent self-complete being, I am who I am, only belongs to Jehovah God. Our proper response to Him is to fall down in fear and awe of the One who possesses all authority. And so all day long, just focus on that. Every time you pray, just say, God, You are Jehovah. And I praise You for who You are. You are the great I Am. You are everything. There is no one else like You. And then day two, you do the next one. See how that works? And you just fill your day with praises. Finally, let me just encourage you. Learn how to read some of the praises in the Bible out loud. Learn how to read them out loud. Like the Psalms, for instance, are full of praise. David certainly understood that praise and worship is a joyful celebration of who God is and what He has done. Here's just a few examples in the Psalm. Psalm 28 Verse 7, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and He helps me. My heart leaps for joy. (laughs) And with my song, I praise Him. (laughs) Psalm 33, verse 3, Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully. That's what Rosemary and our brass ensemble did today, right? Play skillfully and shout for joy. Psalm 81, verse 1, Sing joyfully to God our strength. Shout happily to the God of Jacob. Psalm 98 verse 4, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. And believe me, we could just go on and on and on and on with psalm after psalm after psalm. But I think you get the point. The third key to living with great joy is to respond and to resound our praise back to God. And then number four, we need to reinforce our relationship with Jesus. If we want to live with great joy in our lives day in and day out, we need to reinforce every day our relationship with Jesus. Now again, I realize that we know nothing about the shepherds beyond this morning's text in Luke 2. Not another word is recorded in Scripture to let us know what they did or said after that first Christmas night. But I can tell you one thing that is certain. If they continue to experience the great joy the angel heralded and they personally discovered in the days and the weeks and the years to come, it was only because they continue to pursue their own personal relationships with Jesus. Does that make sense? And what's true for the shepherds is true for us. The only way for us to continue to experience this great joy is to be obedient to Christ and to submit to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. To reinforce our relationship with Jesus each and every day. And herein lies the irony of true joy. To experience joy, we must abandon our search for it and relentlessly pursue instead the one who is himself joy. Read that again. Look at it. Am I making sense here? You see, we cannot pursue joy as an end in itself. Man, we need to hear this in our American culture today. Because if you were to walk up to the average person on the street and ask them, so what do you want to get out of life? I just want to be happy. If you would ask the average parent or grandparent, what do you want for your kids? What are they going to say? I want them to be happy. I want them to be happy. I want them to be... And so what do we do? We spend our entire lives pursuing happiness. Hmm. 
happiness is going to come from this relationship. Or we think happiness is going to come from this thing that we just bought. Or we think that happiness is going to come from this promotion that we're going for. Or that happiness is going to come from the degree that we just earned. Or happiness is going to come from this or that circumstance. And what happens when we get there? It's not there, is it? It's like chasing the pot at the end of the rainbow. We never find it. Why? Because we're pursuing the wrong thing. We should never be pursuing happiness as an end in itself. We should be pursuing the One, Jesus, who is Himself joy personified. And in pursuing that relationship with Him, we will find great joy. Jesus Himself put it this way in John chapter 15. In fact, let's read these out loud together. Would you read them with me? Remain in me as I also remain in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Isn't that interesting? Simply put, if you want joy that is complete, lacking in nothing, then you must remain, you must abide, you must continue in Jesus. You see, again, I may sound like a broken record because I think I say this every week, this is all about a relationship. (laughs) It's not about religion. God loved us so much, yet He didn't send us a note. He didn't send us an email. He didn't skyline across the sky. He sent Himself. Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh, He became one of us to identify with one of us, to show us this is all about relationship. And it's only in our relationship with Jesus Christ that we discover joy. It's the only place it's found. So the fourth key to living with great joy is to reinforce our relationship with Jesus. Portraits of Christmas. This morning we looked at shepherds. A portrait of joy. You see, I believe that one of the most outstanding qualities of these shepherds is their joy. And again, in the words of the angel in Luke 2 verse 10, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So how do we personally experience this good news that causes great joy? How can this mega joy become a reality in our everyday lives? Well, from today's story of the shepherds, I've left you four keys to living with great joy each and every day. Four take-home lessons, if you will, for experiencing mega joy day in and day out. First, this is where it starts. We must receive God's joy for us. It must become our own. Not enough just to hear about it. You've got to act on it. That's why we prayed that prayer earlier. Secondly, we must relay the good news to others. There's no greater joy that I know on the face of this earth than to share your faith and to be used by God to see someone come to know Jesus. And third, we must resound our praise to God. We've got to fill and saturate the atmosphere around us with praise every opportunity that we get. And fourth, we must reinforce our relationship with Jesus because it's all about Him. Pursue Him. Give up the search for joy because you'll never find it 
Give yourself to relentlessly pursue the Savior. I read 1 Peter 1, verses 8 and 9. So I want to close with it. Would you read it with me out loud? You believe in Him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. How great is our joy in You, Jesus. Not in things, not in circumstances, not in empty pursuits of this life, but only in You. You came to this earth to live among us as one of us so that our joy would be complete, lacking in nothing. May we know that that joy is in You and You alone. And like the shepherds, may we experience that great joy day in and day out in our lives. Thank You, God, for that inexpressible, unspeakable joy that You've given us in Jesus. We pray in His precious name. Amen.